can you get anything out of that? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's but, pretty, pretty, it's not really untypical. Sometimes things are more, more aligned with conversation. Sometimes things go all over the place. I, I, I feel like we went nuts. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. This week, Mark Finn joins me as we cover a wide range of topics. We look at using comic books to build a mythology for a fantasy RPG setting. We delve a bit into Robert E. Howard and Jack Kirby. We also talk about the viability of reskinning sci-fi adventures for use in sword and sorcery games. We do, however, take the scenic route in our discussions. Sisters and brothers, it is time to get rambling. Hello, Mark. Hello, Jeff. How are you? <laughs> doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, so we both have, have rolled off of uh, the, the most recent uh, Kickstarter, uh, or Kickstarter, but Zine Quest 3. Yes. You've got Gobsmack. I've got Scoundrels. Uh, I think we probably both have some experiences. So yours, you're you're really still in development with yours, right? Is it is it is complete, or where are we at on that? It is ninety five percent done. Uh, I've done all of the uh, all of the heavy lifting is is done, and now what I'm doing is fine tuning. I'm I'm uh, locking in some lore and editing for brevity and content and all that kind of stuff. And I've got a layout that's about 80% good to go. So I'm kind of, I'm actually a little ahead of schedule, which I'm uh, pretty excited about. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not gonna have any trouble hitting my September uh, delivery date. Uh, but but do, having done five issues of Monty Hall prior to this helped. So, but you didn't have your content. So you didn't have your content done before you pull the lever. What I no, what I had done um, was most of the most of the the lore was transcripted stuff from transcribed from my old notebooks of 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 long long ago. And I, what I did is I scanned them when I was originally moving everything over to five e, and I tried the OCD software, you know, to try and do, it, and it didn't work. So I ended up just kind of uh, transcribing by hand. And then as I was going, I was writing new stuff in notebooks. So when, so what I had set up when I launched the Kickstarter, I had the NPC system completely done. I had the lore written elsewhere, and then I had the 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 bonus unlocked content was in my notebooks. So it was, it was mostly done, but in like several different places. And so a, a lot of it was just assembling at this point. I wrote some new material for this, but the, the vast majority of it was, was already done and just needed to be typed in or laid out or cleaned up. So it's not like it's been pretty smooth sailing for you. So it's from the from the the point that you funded till now, any hiccups or any any sort of weirdness? Uh, you know, no. Actually, it's been kind of smooth sailing. I've only had a, I've, what I've had is a little envy with myself because you know we're in the big group uh, with everybody else on Facebook, and so 
you know, the campaign ends and it's March 15th and someone sends me a finished zine and I'm like, really, dude, come on, man. What are you, come on, that's come on. So I had a little, what I had was a little, um, project envy, uh, you know, more than anything. And so I've going forward, I think I might want to have more stuff in the can before I pull the trigger on Zine quest four or something like that. I don't know. I, there's a part of me that still thinks no one's going to buy my stuff, even though I've got writing credits and, you know, people that follow me that don't know me and all of that. And, and I know that's ridiculous and it's all like in my head, but I'm always, when, when, when I launch the campaign and I see people jumping on and it's people I don't personally know, there's always that that sense of of Sally Field. Yeah, you like me. You really like me, and so I always don't want to just do a a thirty or forty eight page zine without knowing that people want to see it. And, oh, I see. And, and maybe that's the. Uh, maybe I just need to have a little bit more faith in myself and the community. But uh, well, there's two schools of thought. I mean, there's some people. It's like you know, don't put the effort in until you find out exactly what you need. You know, but the other the other side is, why don't you just put all the stress out of it? You know, where you yeah. can, because I think the problem is now you you feel the need to produce this at the same time. You know, I, I think there's a little bit of stress thinking about I need to fulfill this, whereas opposed to it's already done or mostly done, then there's a lot less stress at that point. Yeah, everything you said, I 100% agree with, with the caveat that as someone who has made a side living for 20 or more years now writing professionally, I, I need the deadlines yeah, <laughs> to, right. to motivate. And so for me, part of that component is, yeah, I don't, if I, if this isn't going to make, you know, I don't want to put in the the time to, to do the, the sweat equity because I, could be working on something else that I am going to sell. And so uh, that's definitely a, a factor when I'm thinking about this. And, and also, you know, if I'm, if I end up writing 10,000 words, I don't use, if that's a, if it's a novel that I'm working on, I'll cut 10,000 words in a heartbeat. But for something like this, where the real estate is like essential and I've got a limited page count and a limited size. Right. It's um, more than just writing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's because like getting artists or whatever it may be and the layout. I mean, I think we all have our things that we're good at, but doing a zine is also doing a lot of things we're not necessarily good at. That's right. It's, it's wearing a bunch of different hats and some of those hats are two sizes too small for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hear you, brother. It's uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I for me, I think for me, it's I'm going forward. I I'm because I made some money off of off of scoundrels. My my goal is to pay for certain things ahead of time and get things lined up ahead of time. Yeah, um, maybe not. I mean, ideally, I'd actually like to have the proof copy and everything ready to go, um, but um, I'm not sure. Uh, I think the I think probably. F- Going, I, I would probably, you know, there's a certain amount of art that it's helpful to have that is necessary uh, for having a successful Kickstarter, but you can always fund additional art. You know, I, I agree with that. Um, one of the things that I did with the small amount of money I made off of Money Hall is I went ahead and bought 
some really nice artwork for um, Polite Society, the next thing. Yeah. Uh, I went to one of the guys that did Pathfinder art for the graphic novels, um, uh, Leandro, who uh, was kind of one of the fan favorites. Because uh, I knew my buddy John was going to do the Goblin stuff. And so I, uh, he and I had already talked about that. And I thought, well, let me get one ahead, you know. Yeah. And and so I'll, when I launch, I'll I'll be able to launch with gorgeous, you know, concept art uh, that I otherwise, you know, wouldn't have uh, been able to do if I was seat of my pants like how I did Money Hall. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I, you know, I keep thinking I need to have X amount of art, but you know, looking at um, some of these, so I was fortunate that with Scoundrels, there was a lot of. Um, of I think it probably came from the '90s, kind of martial arts, kind of violence themed mm-hmm. clip art that I've not seen anywhere else. But I was able to pick up fairly cheap, and I was able to put it throughout mm-hmm. all three of my issues pretty easily. But then if I look at like um, Ben Lawrence's uh, work with the um, the Doors of Old Tan, it's like he's he has very nice artwork in there but it it's not chock full i mean he's not going yeah. overboard so i think there's kind of it's it's easy to think you need a whole bunch of stuff but you really don't no you really don't and uh it, it sort of helps if you know i think layout can can actually sort of help with some of that uh yes and and having a little bit of a technical acumen with your, um, you know, whether it's InDesign or, you know, whatever you're, you're working on Photoshop. I mean, all that stuff I think is, is useful, but at the end of the day, you, there, there is plenty of stuff out there. I, I've always said, I thought Philip Reed was really smart in that he writes to the art, you know? Okay. Um, I wish I could do that. <laughs> uh, I, and I actually, I tried to, to, I really did initially when I was doing, when I had the idea for the goblin thing, I went and looked cause I thought goblins, that's a common, surely there'll be some stuff. And I, I'm telling you, man, I couldn't find anything that was in the wheelhouse of what I needed. Oh, there's goblins, but, but they're all like feral and in the bushes. And right. Well, it's, it's the same yeah. thing I had with, with crime, try and find clip art with themed around crime. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's like I know it's, <sighs> it's frustrating, you know, um, I, and ultimately, I think for if you're, I think if you've got the means, it's okay to absolutely, you know, tell somebody what you want. Especially if you have worked with an artist before and can communicate your your desires and your intentions. But um, you know, I'm I'm really I'm always a little envious of of the people who can who can just go into the 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 vast stock art resources that are out there and they're and they're it's amazing what's out there for not a lot of money uh and i look at all of it and i go i just can't use it what i want to do is a little you know uh i don't think it's special but i'm I'm just trying to do something really particular i guess maybe i'm particular here's what i know this is going to sound kind of strange but i've (laughs) so there's a lot of uh pulp comic book stuff and pulp um like books that are out there with art in them, they're now in public domain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've seen some of that stuff. So mm-hmm. I thought, why not, you know, you could do uh, an RPG or supplemental material around that. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, 
Yeah, I think as long as you uh, are, are familiar with the material and can, you know, uh, you know, kind of keep 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 those natural um, parameters. You know, if you're doing like pulp, yeah. you know, you got to kind of know that genre. But but yeah, if if it's public domain, absolutely. There's some amazing golden age artists that that whose work is still being studied. Uh, that that and that stuff's just out there. If you want it, it's true. Yeah, yeah. That's and a I think the, the, the problem, at least talking with Mark Hunt, is I think you know there's a lot of stuff that's kind of touted out there as being public domain, but it may not necessarily be public domain. That's, so you got to be careful about yeah, that. Yeah, you do have to be very careful about that. Um, but but it's not hard to. That's not hard to figure out. That's a little bit of. I won't even say Google foo. Because you can get there with a very basic Google search. You don't have to be clever about it, you know? So have you played any of the Powered by the Apocalypse Engine games? I want to like them. I really, really do, because I think it's a very smart design. Um, But I was ultimately a little turned off by them um, for the... the, this is going to sound weird. I feel like the character sheets, I feel like the the booklets actually limit my choices rather than, than yeah, free that's me intent. Up. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I think if um for certain kind of players and people who are maybe more video game uh inspired, I think those things are great. But I I tend to be a little bit more seat of my pants um in the in the, in that grognard kind of way, and so I don't uh, think they're really great for like campaign play, but they're very good for a very themed session. Oh yes, yes. If you wanted to write a really specific, uh, y- almost a unique game, yeah, that would be a, a a way to do that. Yeah. So here's my thought. So a lot of those pulp were like weird science. I don't know if they delve much into the horror, but, you know, aliens have taken over or this or that. It's some really weird art. And it's like you could do a lot of, I think, a Powered by Apocalypse game, but have individual um, adventures, very short ones, uh, you know, be themed around whatever crazy, wacky, you know, 40s alien invasion or we're in space and this thing happens. Go rescue the you know, the princess from the turnip people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, no one's ever really done a sword and planet kind of like a flash Gordon game, you know, uh, there's, there's been sword and planet sort of stuff, but, but I'm talking about like the kind of game where, uh, you can be in a spaceship and having a sword fight at the same time. Uh, (laughs) you know, everyone's a princess, unless you're a prince, all the moons, uh, you know, float rather than than actually have an orbit, right. and and that kind of like high end sort of weird science pulps or 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 just the the wackadoo stuff. Um, I, I was trying to think of a of a of a specific thing. Doc Savage isn't quite where I'm going with almost Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, you know, Electroids from Planet 10. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, I, I, I love that stuff. Uh, the weirder, yeah. the better. That's that's the RPG we need. Unfortunately, I think the, the dude that bought the rights to it was uh, not a great person. Oh, no. Uh, 
Did, 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 so there was a Buckaroo Banzai thing in the office? Well, he supposedly was going to run a Kickstarter for it and all that kind of stuff. It's never happened, but I think he, I don't know if he still has the rights, but it, it never materialized. But that's, yeah. That's too bad. That, <laughs> I, I would have, uh, I would have lost my, I would have broken my arm getting to the mouse to back that. <laughs> oh, I know. So yeah, I, I, but I agree. There's, a, there's, I think, uh, there has been the, there has been the, um, Flash Gordon, or I'm sorry, the um, yeah, the, there has been a Flash Gordon Savage Worlds um, game set. Oh, cool! Oh, cool! I didn't know that. That's great. In fact, the campaign book for it is like really, really, really good. So you may be, you know, the, I think the the premise is that Flash Gordon, you're not playing Flash Gordon, but you are part of the of the, we'll say at the Rebel Cell. I know that's not not. Yeah, same, but but he's kind of like one of the leaders, and so you're kind of going on missions. So, but you may be going to a ball on such and such, you know, under trying to spy out this and that, and it's not all just fighty fighty kind of stuff. The only problem is, as much as I want to play it, it doesn't resonate with the the people that I I, I uh, play with. So, right, yeah, uh, I, I'm I've, I've, my entire gaming. Uh, career if, you, if we'll call it that has been uh limited by my players always <laughs> it just never fails man yeah uh, and, and I, i'm happy for my i mean i have good players but yeah it's just you know i think we all just kind of have those things we just would really love to play and it's on our shelves and we just look at lovingly and, right. and a little tear comes down every now and then and one of these days <laughs> You know, that's what the idea would be. Retirement community, you know, Wednesdays you're running Buck Rogers. Tuesdays I'm running Traveler, you know, well, <laughs> whatever day somebody's running this, you know, and we just uh, cycle through. Oh, that's yeah. genius, actually. I would uh, uh, I would, I would, I would, I would change my age to get in early. That sounds I, fun. So I think what we really need to do is I, 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 I do this by Eric Tankar, but it's the, uh, is, um, we all get RVs. Okay. And we go to like an RV park for like a month or whatever and just go plug in and hang out. And it's just a, a month long it's, extravaganza. It's like, it's like a gypsy camp slash uh, Gary Con. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the, uh, the, the 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 Gary Grog uh, Rolling Road Show, man. Yeah, maybe even, uh, maybe a couple months later, we all you know meet a different state. You know? Sure, come come to Vernon. We'll watch movies and uh, for, for inspiration. I'll put Conan on the big screen. So, so how in the world does somebody just all of a sudden wind up with a with a movie uh, theater? It's uh, dumb luck. <laughs> um, my my wife and uh, her friend, uh, her childhood friend, uh, were from Vernon, and so Steve stayed plugged into the community because uh, his parents were still here at the time. And um, you know, one day he he called Kathy up and said, "Hey, did you know the plaza's for sale?" And of course, they all had they both had memories of the plaza because that that's where they went and saw Star Wars on the big screen and Jaws and Close Encounters and Raiders and so you right. know they've got uh, their their childhood awe of of that stuff is tied up in in the building. 
And so, you know, we went and looked at the website just out of idle curiosity, and then it turned into, we could do this. We, it, we'd always talked about doing it, you know, oh, we'll retire and go to a small town and run the movie theater, and that'll just be great. And, and, and we both kind of thought, why would we, why wait? Why do it when we're old? Let's do it now while we can. Right. And so uh, uh, that was an odyssey. That took about a year to sort of set up and... Uh, we moved from Austin to Vernon, which is about six hours straight north. And I've been here uh, now for 13 years. Uh, oh. Yeah. Living above the, the movie theater like a supervillain. <laughs> every, every day I look out the window, uh, which is behind the marquee sign, and I, and I look out over the courthouse uh, on the square, and I, and I go, fools. They'll rue the day they kicked me out. Oh, yes, they will. And and the dog looks at me like, you know, do we have to do this every day? Yeah, it's, it's great. It's nice. Keeps me young. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. So it's, uh, yeah, you don't have to ever watch anything on the small screen. But I'm sure it has its own sets of, uh, of headaches and, and unusualness. It- as, yeah, it's a money sink, and you know it's it's you don't you don't do this to get rich. But um, when we converted over to digital, uh, we built some stuff in going in. So um, one of the things that's been a help over the years is being able to throw private parties. And almost always, what happens is someone will tentatively ask, "Can uh, can I bring my Xbox?" And we go, "Yes." Yes, you can, <laughs> you know, and they go, really? And then Call of Duty shows up and it looks like, you know, saving Private Ryan on the big screen. Oh, that's, that's cool. Oh, it's, it's amazing. And, uh, and now, you know, um, because, you know, it's, it, the digital projector is just that it's a massive, highly powered version of the thing you would plug into your laptop to do a PowerPoint presentation. So I can put the, uh, Roku on it and, uh, and watch the Mandalorian on the big screen and and go, wow, this looks exactly like Star Wars at this size. <laughs> yeah. So uh yeah, yeah, it's 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 not all bad. It's been pretty cool. That sounds like it. So so uh the other day uh I've I bought into Marvel Unlimited. Okay. So I haven't really done a whole lot of comic book reading. Oh no, really? Okay. I, yeah, for some reason, I thought you were versed in this. Well, I I read up and I read very. I was heavily involved in comics all the way to probably the probably towards the late eighties. I just okay. stopped. So heavy, <clears throat> heavy into the independent scene. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it just it just expense and life or whatever just sure uh, Girls, I dabble yeah. you know I would, I would dabble here and there and um but you know go to the library pick up some but then they have this marvel unlimited where it was on sale for 60 dollars. you get unlimited well twenty eight thousand comics you can you can flip through oh yeah so i started with um because eternals is uh coming out mm-hmm. so i started with the kirby side of things <clears throat> and I realized, you know, there's a lot of exposition. Kirby. <laughs> uh, by the 1970s, yes. Kirby was uh, Kirby was very mythic. Yes. Yeah. And it's like it's just so much information. And there's just like in the stories just kind of, 
he, he's like laying a foundation as quickly as he can. He's building right. the scaffold. I mean, he's building the cathedral. He has to do it in like six issues. He can't, he can't take, you know, 24. He's got to do it all at once. And so I, I was reading that. <clears throat> and then I, I didn't finish through the Kirby. Oh, so I used to, what I love about Kirby is growing up, well, all the way up until I kind of stopped buying comic books, my favorite thing to do was to go through the uh, the quarter, um, the boxes for the, you get for a quarter, you get comic oh, yeah. books. Totally. You can find tattered Kirby yes. comics. So I would slowly collect all the Commandy, you know, <laughs> Demon, yes. you know, whatever it may be, Eternals. And if it was a Kirby comic book for a quarter, I would buy it. Totally. So I, I slowly, yeah, so I slowly build a, you know, a fair collection of it. But uh, so anyway, so then I was reading the uh, – I'm going somewhere with this, so uh, <laughs> you're probably wondering what. Take your time. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then I started reading the Neil Gaiman uh, portion of the Eternals mm -hmm. where it, it – so the Eternals was kind of these – you know, apparently Marvel wanted the same thing that Kirby did for DC – um, but the whole mythic, whatever, and you can you see all these seeds. But so I'm I'm reading through the Neil Gaiman. It takes takes a little bit darker tone. Yeah. So the deviants, you know, these gods came to Earth, and they you know made humans, they made deviants, and they made Eternals. The Eternals are kind of made to kind of, I guess, be servants and to kind of make sure everything works out okay for the for when the when these eternal or when these uh, uh, I forgot the name called now the uh, the gods come what are they called the um, you know about the celestials yeah celestials yeah so but then Neil Gaiman did this thing while well, the deviants were only created to be like caviar so they just like chowing down on these deviants they they could produce mass produce but then they show this panel of them just chowing down on thousands of these deviants just just eating them. Yeah. I'm like, that's, that's pretty dark. So, anyway, you may say, well, where, where are we going with this? So, going back to uh, DC with mm -hmm. Dark Side, is that called the. Is that called yeah, the, the, the New Gods, yeah. Is that called the Fourth World or what's that's that called? Kirby, yeah, Kirby's Fourth World, yeah. So, so, where I'm going with this is that somebody said with the Fourth World, that if you were wanting to come up with a pantheon from a world, you could use a fourth world. Yeah, I think you could. Um, you know, he was very, Kirby was really into mythology. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I mean, Thor was, you know, it was his sort of float on that. And uh, there's a through line, you know, when he starts getting into Tales of Asgard, uh, kind of in the middle part of his Thor stuff, you know, the there's that, and then you can go straight to the fourth world with the new gods, and um, and see what he was trying to do was sort of he was trying to find archetypes. He was trying to find uh, not necessarily Jungian archetypes, but right. he was looking for those commonalities, kind of like what Campbell did. He wasn't, you know, Kirby didn't do it the way, you know, uh, like a, in a scholarly way. He did it sort of as a uh, uh, almost like an outsider kind of way. And then, uh, of course, the, the DC deal 
fell through. And so uh, he, he basically picked up those toys and said, all right, I'll refine it again and, and do it as the eternal. But, but yeah, you can absolutely model um, yeah. a so painting get, on that. Just think about Lord of the Rings. I'm not saying to do Lord exactly this way, but you get rid of, of Sauron, you could put Dark Side. Totally. Oh, yeah. Instead of the orcs, you have the parademons. <laughs> yes, that would be cool. <laughs> and you could, you could, you could see how you could really do it. But so that got me thinking when I was uh, reading the Eternals. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? Especially if you take the Neil Gaiman approach. But as I'm reading this, as I'm reading these these uh, talking about these celestials, which gave me a different vibe when I started reading the early Kirby stuff. Yeah, and also reading the then he combined with the game, and I thought this is going to sound weird, but I think this is very much Cthulhu esque. Mm-hmm. The okay. idea of uncaring beings, uh-huh. a vast power <laughs> that yes. we are just ants and nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Coming, and I just thought you could really kind of do something weird with that kind of mythos in a way, yes. especially when you start dealing with the game and where that one, the one celestial, um, it, he, he, the dreamer decided to go against the other celestials and he was uh, buried in the earth. Right. And then right. all this dream stuff's coming out. I mean, you could really do some crazy stuff with that. Yeah, it, 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 you know, of course, Gaiman has some practice with doing, you know, uh, godlike beings that serve a single, a single purpose. You know, Sandman was all about that uh, as well. And so that might have just been him falling back on familiar uh, territory. But, um, but yeah, uh, absolutely, I think you can do that. I, you know, Darkseid and, and his whole thing you know he's he's especially uncaring about uh the people under his charge so long as he gets the anti-life equation right and and gets to restart everything so I, and this is the problem with kirby and, and and i say when i say problem i'm i'm speaking creatively here you know that guy and i mean this in the nicest possible way was out there where the buses don't run you know <laughs> like i mean the first time i read uh, like a commandy comic, you know, I, I, my, my response to that was, I didn't know you could get that note on a horn, you know, I mean, <laughs> he's, that's the, and, and, and so, you know, there've been, there've been so many attempts to, to do the, the new gods and, and, and restart them. Uh, and, Everybody tries to do them their own way, and, and it always fails miserably. The only guy that ever got close was Simonson, because Simonson figured out how to extend Kirby rather than try and right. uh, pastiche him. And I think the the Eternals work like how you're saying because you don't have the, the there's not the there's not the buy-in with the Eternals. Seventies Kirby is a little bit more. Um, well, it's considered lesser Kirby, you know, if we're being honest. Uh, you know, it was it was thought that he'd you know lost a step, and 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 so I don't necessarily agree with that. I love Devil Dinosaur. I thought the when he came back to Captain America, that stuff was fantastic. You know, there there was some great great stuff that he did in the seventies over at Marvel. Um, the Cap's bicentennial battles. He was still doing a bunch of. Uh, 
big high end stuff. But at that, but that point he'd gotten, he'd gotten weird. Uh, <laughs> and I liked, and I, and, and the thing is, is I like the weird, so I don't, I didn't have a problem with it. So, um, so yeah, I think you can, I think you can move that stuff around and, and sliding it over into nihilism, uh, is, is, a, is a good take. Sure. Um, and I think the other thing too, it's like, you know, with Kirby, I mean, especially if you were wanting to go do like a science fantasy, mm-hmm. these just giant machines, like, you know, yeah. you look at, you think though, the Incan civilization was this, well, it's just, they're just giant machines in there that are actually like landing pads for starships. I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? Or you could just have some other thing, just be a, a machine that does something crazy in kind of a Numenera way, but you 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 have that kind of license just to, to you know just do things on a scale that are like that's just mammoth you know and mind boggling and intriguing and just people wondering like what's with that? Yeah, it's funny. Those were uh, you know in the seventies that when uh, Chariots of the Gods was was uh, yes. published and uh, the, the In Search of. Uh, TV show was on and Project Blue Book and there was all this sort of uh, what we now call fringe, you know, culture. Um, and it was it was it was kind of presented with this sort of v- v- thin veneer of of um, academic, you know, right. uh, you know, uh, you know, gravitas. It was a plausibility. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh. There was a little bit of plausibility to it, and it's real easy to see where Kirby kind of took some of that and, and said, and said, I can make that better, you know, and then just would do one of his, you know, classic two page double yeah. size. Why did the Incas disappear? Incas disappear because they became the spacemen for the, for the celestials. They That's went right. off in their spaceship and okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, if you're, if you were, if you were a weird kid and into that stuff, that just felt like the most natural thing in the world. Well, of course that's what happened. Of course, Kirby knows. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. What's with the Bermuda triangle? Well, it happens to be that the deviants live <clears throat> under sea in that point And they shoot things out of the sky that innervate that uh, go into their airspace. That's right. That's, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. It's <laughs> if you really, if you just think of it, it's logical, you know, yeah. uh, nothing supernatural about it. It's extra natural. So, yeah, so I think there's actually going to Kirby besides the Thor stuff. But if you're wanting to create a very unusual, interesting pantheon, I think there's some really mythology. You know, we kind of think about going back to actual mythology, but maybe just mining some Kirby could get you a long ways. Oh, it absolutely could. The uh, uh, the archetypes that uh, that he plays with. Um, the, 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 it's it's interesting because I don't know that he ever had any formal training. I'm sure he read books and and stuff like that. But uh, you know, he was a real kind of street level guy uh, from from Brooklyn, and uh, you know, went to war and came home and got married and had kids and drew for the rest of his life. And so he was always looking for ways to uh, you know prime the creative pump and keep the creative ideas flowing. And, um, you know, and, and I think gaming is kind of the same way. I, I've, I've said this before, not unkindly, that gaming culture is uh, a culture of petty theft. You know, um, from the earliest times of us playing, you know, if we saw a cool 
sword in a movie that had three blades. Yeah. By the time we got home, that would be written in our Trapper Keeper, right? Uh, with the appropriate amount of pluses and <laughs> charges. Or after and, watching Crawl, how do we create oh, that glaive? How do you make the glaive exactly? <laughs> you know. So, um, so yeah, I, I think if you want to do something weird, and especially if you want to do something in that kind of the the Mork Borg uh, sort of thing. You could do a lot worse than uh, than go get the uh, the reprints of the of Kirby's Eternals and and check all that out. That's fascinating stuff. It almost seems to me it's, it's kind of like with uh, it's like with Tolkien. He he kind he created this language and some mm-hmm. history, but it's like the novels were just there as an excuse to kind of have it seems like it's some ways kind of even with Kirby with some of his stuff. It's like, there's just a lot of like really high concepts that sometimes kind of felt like some of the characters were just kind of seems kind of forced in order to be able to play out this overall theme that he's trying to, to paint. Yeah. They're, 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 uh, they're they're cardboard uh, in in, in a lot of, they're, they're very wooden because they have to say a certain thing you know, in their own, you know, idiom. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's one, I think, and I think that's a criticism that people have about seventies Kirby. I, I don't know that it's necessarily, um, I, I think, I think if you're buying the Eternals and machine man and oh, machine Devil Dinosaur, man, oh, oh, yeah. I love machine. Man. I know. Right. Uh, I think if you're, I think if you're buying into that stuff, you've decided to set aside a little bit more of your willing suspension of disbelief than you normally would. You know, you're, you've, you've already sold yourself on Kirby. He doesn't need to sell himself on you. So when you, when you start reading the Eternals, you know, even though it, it, it's it, the dialogue does not fall trippingly off the tongue. No, <laughs> but but then again, that's not why you showed up for no, the Eternals. It's like somebody was writing about uh, on Facebook about uh, the movie Prometheus. And they're like, you know what, the, the screenplay is just junk. The writing's yeah. junk. But you know what, I just love the art. I love the cinematography. Right. I love the concept. So I think with with Kirby, I mean, there's just so much to 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 draw from. If you just kind of just stop and you know, you know, it's easy to critique the 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 phrases that are so much tied to the seventies. I just like, I like, what is this guy saying? You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's kind of funny, but it, it's an anachronism now. But it's still, it's yeah. like you just drop that and just say, you know what? There's just a lot of inspirational stuff that's just so foundational. Like, I because I don't think you know my my hot take would be, I think the Lord of the Rings movies was better than the books mm-hmm. as far as for entertainment. Right, but good, but good night. I mean, Tolkien's the one that created a foundation that everybody built on. He did it, yeah. Pretty much, I don't say he did it first, but he kind of did it first, you yeah. know. And the same thing with Kirby. It's like he just, he was just carving out this in huge foundation that nobody really understood at the time. I don't think what he was doing. It's it's funny that you mentioned Tolkien because I was just thinking about um, Robert E. Howard. Robert E. Howard days is coming up in in a couple of weeks, and uh, I'm usually always there uh i've even got uh those of you at home can't see this but i'm showing jeff i got my uh i got my conan shirt on um you know and and tolkien did world building using uh language linguistics specifically by trying to trying to basically invent the language that no longer exists because that thing moved off howard 
did world building using um, anthropological theory, uh, the movements of people and uh, the migrations of cultures and and uh, and he and, and the folklore that that got walked backwards uh, to to be the the things that became our modern day uh, countries. Um, and Kirby was doing world building through the uh, lens of the pantheon. He, you know, he was, he was building rather than the coming up with the world and then having the people in the world figure out their gods. Kirby was coming up with these, these high end meta meta concepts uh, that he would then laser down into stories and settings. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's fascinating that, that, that those, um, those are three different ways of getting to the same sort of, you know, idea, but, uh, you know, a couple of the things are easier than the other to do. I mean, I think, I think Kirby was just really in, in, intuitive in that, in that regard. So, You've got uh, yeah. There's a ton of stuff to to pull from if you're gaming with him. The uh, the demon is an is oh, a, yeah. a, a great series. You mentioned Commandi earlier. I, why no one has done a post apocalypse RPG based on Commandi is 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 a is a mystery to me. Or movie uh, or TV or movie. series. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Every issue of if you're if you're playing post apocalypse anything, every issue of Commandi is a, is a gold mine. Uh, just a just an absolute treasure trove, and uh, and you can all and you can lump Devil Dinosaur in there as well because that basically is an extension of, you know, of all that, anyways. So yeah, I, I agree. I, I've I've wondered why. You know, there's probably multiple reasons why, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think maybe if Marvel had that property, it may be more likely to actually. To be something yeah yeah well you know of course uh snyder's justice league ha- has probably the most fourth world stuff in it on oh, yeah. film than than you know anything in, in, a, in a long long time um I'm, I'm just not sure we're gonna i i i this sounds mean but uh as, as someone who's worked with these movie studios for 13 years now I don't trust anyone at Warner Brothers to be able to pull that off. Um, right. I, th- I think the fourth world requires, it would require an auteur for their property in the same way that Feige is doing Marvel. You need one guy who knows it well enough to know what he can, what he can do to get it to that different medium and still have it be the thing that you want it to be. It's got to, it's got to be the fourth world for a movie. You can't take it. You can't take all the way, take away the stuff. That's not a movie script and then go, there's your fourth world. And no, cause then what you have to do is you have to fill in those holes. Uh, it's a, it's a, it sounds like a subtle distinction, but I don't think it is. And they, and, and Warner hasn't figured that out yet. Although they may be getting closer. The last couple of things have not been so bad. And, uh, I'm optimistic for some of the yeah, stuff that's coming out. Yeah, but I think out. they've they've. It sounds like they've kind of given up with having an an um, an overarching continuity and just saying, you know what, we'll just make movies that are going to be their own thing. Yes, and until they stop doing that, I think that's a smart thing to do. Um, 
their uh, their characters work better mythically. Yeah, I I can see that. Yeah, um, Marvel Marvel sold itself when it, when they came out in the '60s on the idea of continuity, characters that grow, that change, that that stories that would evolve and move forward. Um, that was that was the thing that made them different uh, from you know DC, and so much so that DC had to start doing it. Well, I think that you know it, it goes to show that the genius of my Marvel and I guess the Feige's is that everybody else is trying to create their own uh, continuity universe and, and, you know, and failed, like, yeah. miserably, including Universal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you got to lay a lot of the blame at the feet of Tom Cruise for that. Um, okay, I don't yeah. know. Oh, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. it, it the, 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 it was going to be amazing. And then they thought they needed an A-lister to sell the mummy. And unfortunately, when Tom Cruise comes onto a project, Tom Cruise brings his screenwriter with him. Oh. Who goes in and punches up the script to make sure it's got some Tom Cruise stuff in it. Well, I think for me, the the same thing was is with Will Smith. I think if the movie Mm -hmm. is a movie about Will Smith, it's fine. But if it's if it's supposed to be a collection of people, then it's all about Will Smith. It starts not being that great. Yeah. Yeah. And, interesting. And the rock, I think it's the same way. I think, I mean, the rock of the GI Joe is just abysmal, but you get Jumanji and you get Kevin Hart who, who counter balances the rock. Right. You know, you're like, Oh, this is the most amazing movie, but you take Kevin Hart out. It just would have been terrible. Yeah, yeah, that, those those two actually make a pretty good team for uh, in a way that you wouldn't think would be uh, workable. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. They uh, the I, I want um, I want DC to do better. I want them to yeah. be great. They got some they got some great properties. They, oh God, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Batman fan. You know, I, I grew up. Uh, Teen Titans was one of my favorite comics as a kid. Uh, and I have a great affection for a lot of their golden age and silver age characters. But um, let's see. I think even something simple, like one of the simplest characters do that could be very compelling is Dead Man. Oh, God. Dead Man would be great. Yes. So you, good. You don't need to have all these tremendous amounts of effects. You know, it could just be very simple, you know, you know, murder mysteries and whatever. Right. It doesn't have to be world ending events, but it's all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you control bodies, but you could also mess up and get these bodies killed or hurt or, you know, oh, it, it would be an actor's delight. It really would. You know, uh, every actor would want to do it because you get to be, you get double the role, you know, yeah. you get to be the character that you are. And then you get to be the character that you are when Boston is driving the bus. Yeah. Uh, That'd be, and he, and honestly, uh, I would do that as a as a miniseries, like a TV show. That oh, could yeah. be a, that would be just. I mean, that screams, uh, you know, uh, six part or eight part uh, series on HBO or you know whatever platform they're going to end up with when somebody else buys something else next week. <laughs> yeah. It's changing hands like poker chips right now. But yeah, oh, Dead Man would be great. And you're right, doesn't need a lot. But then this is the deal. And, and and this is what cracks me up. You know, you'd think Captain America would be easy, right? It's just a guy with a shield. But they they got that character wrong for 75 years. 
a cap, cap, there's a Captain America movie serial from the 1940s. I think it's from 41 or 42. Um, and uh, he's got uh, no shield and a gun. And, you know, it, it, it's a it's a terrible series. It could be – you could have named it uh, General Mayhem and instead of Captain America, and, and it would have been the same thing. There was nothing about it that was Captain America. The 70s Captain America, red brown with a motorcycle with a clear shield yeah. as a windscreen <laughs> yeah. and a hel- <laughs> that, that helmet. Well, but- I th- – I think the problem is, is like I think what has been a problem has been the cowl. Like, how do you deal with the cowl? Uh, well, Matt Salinger's solution was to have a rubberized ear molded onto it, so that whenever <laughs> he turned his head, the the ear would flatten and and be less like a, a beige blob against the side of his head, uh, like a boxer that had been cauliflowered. It was. Uh, I mean, the for something so simple, it, it took them forever to get that to work right, yeah. and uh, and 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 it goes back to you know part of it being that uh, nobody took it seriously for a long time, and and the other part of it being that uh, there was this notion that you know uh, if we make this a movie, we've got to do it our way, and while that's true, you have you know you have to do a movie the way a movie is made to make a movie. Do you, they, in the past, the first thing that went out the door was the characters. And unfortunately, that's what we're here to see. Um, Spider-Man worked because uh, that, that was the Spider-Man of my youth. Um, we bought the X-Men because Hugh Jackman's Wolverine felt exactly like how we wanted Wolverine to be, even though uh, Jackman was tall in the real Wolverine quote unquote is short. Uh, suddenly that didn't matter so much because he yeah. acted like Wolverine. He, he was pretty skinny early dead. on. He didn't buff up like he did later on either. Cause he was pretty skinny in the beginning. No. Yeah. Yeah. He was more wiry, but, yeah. uh, but he smoked a cigar. He popped his claws. He called Cyclops a dick. And at that point, everybody went, Oh, that's Logan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, that's Logan. You know yeah, why? Cause yeah. he called Cyclops a name <laughs> and he hit on Gene. Uh, and so that's the secret right there. You know, you want to do Green Lantern, right? You got to make the character work. You got to, whether it's the demon or dead man or yeah, uh, I think any some of that of the, stuff. But I think to me, it's like, I don't know. I, of course, you know, you know, they've been able to take obscure characters, make them work. But Green Lantern is such a weird character. I would never have pictured, I would never have led with, well, I guess not led, but he would not have been one of my first choices. No, no. But um, I think they were, Early on, th- that was you know that was right on the heels of Iron Man, and I think the 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 idea was if 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 we, if they can do Iron Man, we can do the equivalent, which would be you know what Hawkman? No, the wings. Oh, Green Lantern? Yeah, no wings. Okay, cool. But yeah, the, I think the, Hawkman would be a hard one to do. As oh, well. totally. Yeah. Well, this is and and so this is my theory uh, about how this works. There's the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has started a new genre. Uh, yeah, it's a superhero movie, but really it's a Marvel movie. What they're doing is they're doing genre movies that yeah. have superheroes in them. Yeah, and the di- and the difference is is in a superhero movie, a superhero movie is basically a movie that is some ratio of 
1978 Superman and 1989 Batman. The the plot components and the elements are some combination of that. It could be it could be 50-50, it could be 60-40, it could be, you know, 70-30. But you can be guaranteed that the villain is going to have a personal connection with the hero in some way. There's going to be a love interest that finds out about who the superhero really is in Act 3, at the beginning of Act 3 or at the end of Act 2. There's going to be um, people that he cares about in, in Mortal Jeopardy. Uh, there's going to be um, uh, we're going we're gonna to have the, the origins be tied uh, together if we possibly can, can do it. And if we can't, we're going to have um, we're going to have them be uh, symmetrical right um they're they're like each other but they're mirrors oh like the flash tv series yeah like the flash let's have another speedster let's have another speedster let's have another speedster right (laughs) um stop it and and, you know iron man is sort of built on that as well but the difference is is they made they got tony stark right and then shortly thereafter they got uh we got a black widow we got uh, we got all these interesting turns, but um, there was a period of time between like the X-Men in 2000 and Iron Man in 2008 where people wanted superhero movies, but depending on the group, there was this notion of, okay, we may get only one shot at this. So um, we need to put everything that's important in this one movie. Um, yeah, so, okay, so we've got a Daredevil movie. What are we going to do? Well, we got to do Elektra. Oh, yeah, we got to do Death of Elektra. But that only works because people knew who she was and right. she'd been in the comic. Well, then we'll introduce her at the very beginning. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. So we'll do the entire Kingpin, Darede- Daredevil, Elektra, um, Deadshot story in a two-hour movie. Only the thing is, is you really need about two and a half to three hours to even hit the the high notes. And then you don't have that much time. So we're going to cut out most of that plot. And then people watch Daredevil and go, well, this doesn't make any sense. And you go, yeah, I wonder why. There's a third of the movie on the floor. And you're trying to tell three stories worth of a uh, movie. Yeah. Um, that's what happened with Green Lantern. They had one, what you could have done and they should have done is they should have introduced Abensur, Green Lantern, and Sinestro. Uh, Abensur crashes on Earth. He gives the ring to Green Lantern. He says, "Don't trust anybody." Abensur shows, or uh, Sinestro shows up the next day, going, "You killed my partner. Uh, I'll see you hang for it." He goes, "Who's your partner?" Abensur was my partner, and you killed him. He goes, "No, I, I, I didn't kill him. He gave me the ring." <laughs> Oh, well, then you're the new Green Lantern. What does that mean? Well, kid, I'll show you. And then you find out that it's a buddy cop movie with space sheriffs. Yeah. And Sinestro trains Green Lantern, trains Hal Jordan how to do this. And there's a point at which the ring trusts Hal Jordan enough to unlock and show that Sinestro is the traitor. Oh, God. Now you have that fight. And none of that is anything that you can't put in a movie. Uh, And at the end of the movie... Sinestro's defeated. He's in green handcuffs. He's vowing revenge. Uh, the yellow people come and take him away. And he goes, wait, I thought. And then all of a sudden the blue guys show up and go, Hal Jordan of Earth, we have need of you. And he bo- and they boom to him, to Oa, 
where he looks at the planet and sees all the Green Lanterns hovering in around him, and he and he passes out. And now your second movie is Meet the Green Lantern Corps. Right. But no, when you have only one shot at this, we need to put Nort in the movie and Kilowog and all of these characters that nobody knows anything about. And, oh, I've got an idea. Let's take the character that nobody liked from the from the uh, comic book where Hal Jordan goes crazy and kills everybody. We'll take the parallax spirit and we'll turn him into a yellow cloud. And that'll be the bad guy. Yeah. And, and the classic villain that people know from the Super Friends, Sinestro, we won't have him show up until the end of the movie because that'll give people something to look forward to. Yeah, it's a mess. The, they don't. Here's the Jeff. Once again, I was not consulted. I think it was the, the issue. Um, I keep telling them to call me. They yeah. never do. Yeah, it's it, and I think the you know it also seems like it seems like so many of these movies are intended to have such. I think the problem with like same thing with Star Wars is ever increasing stakes, and if your yeah. stakes already start out as being saving the universe or whatever it may be, right. You know, You've got nowhere like, to go from there. Yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yep. I agree. And, 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 you know, again, thankfully the Marvel movies have kind of, uh, even that out, you know, uh, Ant-Man is the perfect low stakes villain, our, our hero. Uh, they're having that epic battle in Cassie's room. And then you see the little toy train yeah. turn over. I, and I just, <laughs> Everybody's like, well, it wasn't as good. Well, it, it didn't have to be. You know, they can't all be the Avengers. They can't all be Infinity War. Uh, yeah, I think DC, DC's going to figure that out, though. Uh, I'm I've got high hopes for the new Suicide Squad movie. We'll see. Yeah, well, I think it definitely won't. It it will not suffer the same things that the first movie suffered from. That that is that's very true. If if it doesn't work, it will be because it made different mistakes, and that's <laughs> yeah. and that's cool. No, that's okay. I you yeah. know when you, I just don't want him to do the same thing over and over again. You know that's the that's the death knell. You know. Yeah, I think I think you know especially in light of the the promise of you know eliminating characters. I mean, you, you know that's not necessarily in itself that interesting, but that's not something that's really normally done. It isn't, and I, I I hope they lean into it a little bit more. Uh, one of the great things about the Suicide Squad was the ability to sort of clear the decks for some really stupid things. Um, I know, I know, I'm sure somebody out there, uh, their favorite character is the Clock King, and and I apologize in advance, <laughs> but um, there, there's some of those characters that were I don't think ever intended to be anything other than uh, an issue worth of of fight and dialogue. And so if you can get, if you can make their death meaningful, that's, that's automatically uh, a leg up from, from <laughs> what doing you them got. a favor. Right? Yeah. Crazy quilt, Jeff, crazy quilt. No supervillain should ever have the word quilt in their name. No, <laughs> It's just ridiculous. Oh my God. So there's a, uh, there's a NPR, uh, planet money specifically. Oh, yes. The door, yeah. Or the doorman, the doorman. I've been I've been checking those out. They're wonderful. It's been His a case powers study. Turned into a door, <laughs> but can he go through the door? That's what nobody understands. He can be a door, and people can go through him to the whatever's behind it. But can he go? Can he go, yeah, can he go through his own door? Yeah. <laughs> uh, can he make a door even he can't open? Right. <laughs> that's, 
it, it's a twister. I I love, but but you know, and that's exactly the kind of goofball character that Grant Morrison was doing great stuff with over in the in the late uh, '80s uh, in Vertigo. Um, see, some of the DC stuff hasn't been bad. You know, the Doom Patrol is a great example of something that they've managed to make work. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about the, the black Adam movie. I think that's going to be really interesting. They've got a great cast for it. Um, but they've just got to realize they're not the same thing. They, and they don't tell stories the same way. So the, the idea of building a justice league, uh, out of three movies when, when, you know, two of those movies were Batman and Superman, the two characters, no one ever needs see if i if i never see another string of pearls falling to the cut into the gutter in slow motion <laughs> it'll be too soon you know what i mean um, one more time one more origin story of Batman. oh my god because yeah, we just, don't get please. it uh the, probably the best thing about uh i i'm, I'm i run hot and cold on the berlanti verse but probably the best thing about the new superman um story that they're doing is they in the in the at the beginning of the show in a in a flashback montage lasting all of 45 seconds they summarized the high points it's the it was literally the equivalent of a two-page superman who he is and how he came to be then you flip it and we're starting the story <laughs> i love that and i i hope we get more of that um Spider-Man in Captain America Civil War was the same way. I don't, you know, we've yeah. already seen him get bitten by two different radioactive spiders. I, I don't need a third one. I think, you know? what, what they, I think from what I've heard going back, I don't know if this is true, but the, that is, you know, if you look at a character having an arc, that is the simplest one to do is yes. the origin story. And, yep. and then... I think that's why they rely on it so much because it's the most compelling and easiest to do. Sure. And it's sure. hard to go beyond that at that point, but they, they need to be more imaginative and not rely on that whole, you know, character having this, this arc. And uh, well, and, and, and not to, well, I'm going to go and take it back to the mythology. DC needs to be aware of its own characters status. They don't need to tell anybody who Batman is no. or Superman, and 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 really, they didn't need to really. I guess they kind of needed to let people know who Wonder Woman is, but now they never need to do it again, you know. And um, and those one of the things that I loved about Kingdom Come, the Mark Wade Alex Ross thing, was uh, it, it was in the future when all of the major heroes had sort of. Uh, gone their own they're no longer the justice league and the new young heroes who are kind of insane are running the show and and having collateral property damage and just basically doing it wrong and and that you young kids today don't understand what it was like kind of a vibe but there's a great uh, sequence in the first issue where they show what the original Justice League people are doing. And what what it is, is they all basically have retreated to their cities. And they are the the guardians of their cities. The Flash is running through the streets of Central City so fast that that he's just, he's literally a blur. So he's basically everywhere at once. Um, Batman has, has is, is running super sentinels in Gotham that are giant bat robots that, that uh, eat people like RoboCop 
you know, uh, ED 109s. And um, um, I'm trying to remember there was another one. Oh, and, and of course, Superman quit. But 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 this 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 notion of them being sort of the patron, and of course, our. Uh, Aquaman goes to Atlantis, Wonder Woman goes to Themyscira. So this idea that they've all got a domain, right? They've all got a they've all got a uh their own little um their people that they look after. And uh that's a very um that's a very Greco-Roman sort of way of looking at, you know, uh all of the major cities uh in in the classical era there was a patron god or goddess that they that the that the town worshipped, right? And so I, that I think is a story um, framework that you can really do something with, uh, and 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 I think that's where they need to be going with their uh, with their movies. Uh, I don't need if and and the, and the difference is is that they they could do what they used to do in the comics where it's a Batman story guest starring somebody. And if they were smart, they would do guest stars of characters that were not always the best of fits. Um, so I would do Batman guest starring like Blue Beetle because uh, you've got the two billionaires with their tech industries. You know, they get along, but their alter egos absolutely don't. And so you know, having, having somebody come into Batman's sphere of influence and now it's still a Batman story and, but you have to play by Batman's rules in his, in his domain. You know, when you go to super, when you go to Metropolis, you're in Superman's world. And right. so you have to kind of deal with that. You could, you can do that in the movies by just basically, you you can still allude to other characters and you can have them come through and do stuff. But, um, that needs to be the shift, I think, to to move things forward. Yeah, it's going to be hard because I think Zack Snyder just threw a wrench in everything. <laughs> he, he he does love his monkey wrenches. Yes, he <laughs> yeah. does. It's like now they now I think you know I, I you know they they did you know, succumb and throw money, and now it, it was as successful as it was. I don't know what that's going to mean. I think, well, I, I think the lesson learned is because all these other articles came out at the same time that basically showed what bad faith actors um, the studio was. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, not just from uh, uh, Ray, what's his name, the, the cyborg, but uh, one of the co-screenwriters and, and of course, uh, the less said about Whedon, the better and all that. But they... Um, yeah, if you know, if you read that the the those lengthy articles, it's very clear that Warner Brothers had an agenda, and Zach's uh, idea was to basically make lemonade out of the lemons, and then and and they said, okay, we like this lemonade, but we really want you to make us some lemons. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not making lemonade. No, 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 we I, we see that, but can you take that lemonade and make lemons? Can you make the lemons out of lemonade? And so uh, they, there was no way that was going to work. I, and and you can you can see if you go if you watch all of the extended cuts of everything, starting with Man of Steel and going forward, uh, 
it, you may you still might not like it for whatever reason, but it makes sense yeah. because all that extra stuff is back in so it. So I never watched Batman versus Superman. I just avoided. I saw a few scenes, mm-hmm. and I think we watched the Joss Whedon um, Superman yeah. or, or Justice, Justice League. League. Yeah. Uh, but so my wife and I were both hit with COVID at the same time they released this, the, the Snyder cut. So mm-hmm. then I watched listening to a podcast. I listened to the ultimate cut of Batman versus Superman. Cool. And then I watched the, we watched the four hour justice league. And even though the, the Martha thing is still just utterly ridiculous, ridiculous. Uh, I will say it redeemed as far as I'm concerned, Zack Snyder. I, mean, I agree. It I was what agree. it was. Yeah. And and to be fair, like that crazy 20-minute ending he added to it, I liked it, but I don't want to I don't want to see it I don't want to see I don't want to see the next movie with Zack Snyder doing Justice League following that. No, no, no. No, I But agree I, but with I you. love yeah. that it's there. Yeah. And I mean it's perfect to be you just leave it there, you leave it to savor, you leave it to think about but you don't need to explain it. You don't need to go any further. And right. people can talk about it and enjoy the the theories about what if, how that, you know, I yeah. think. But I think to actually carry out the, you know, the story of Batman sleeping with uh, with Lois Lane and all that weird. It just it, it would not be good. But no, I think no. But the seeing the aftermath of it and seeing Superman as a monster. Uh, <laughs> it's a take and it's interesting, you know, Um I would love, uh, especially now that Marvel's going to be doing What If on Disney, I would love it if DC decided to do some Elseworlds uh, stories. Uh, did you ever read uh, Gotham by Gaslight? That was like the oh, first Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I was a big Mike, uh, Mike Mignola, Mignola, yeah. Mignola oh, yeah. before he did the Hellboy. I used to love him and Keith Giffen. Is it oh, Keith yeah. Giffen? Yeah. Giffen. Oh, his Dr. Fate. Oh, Dr. my Fate. goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Giffen that art Jackson. style, he did the Creeper. He yep. did a bunch of other stuff. I'm like, this guy is just on fire. Yep. He was. He, he had a really interesting look. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd like to see him do Elseworlds. I think you. I, if you did Gotham by Gaslight as a movie, uh, and, and, you know, because that's a one-shot comic, and, yeah. and it's a really cool one. But you could take all of that in the comic and put it in a movie and even add a little bit more extra stuff to sort of tighten it up and, and make the story, you know, really bounce from thing to thing. Man, that'd be cool. And you, and, and, you could also take other heroes to totally. add them to the movie, but give them that same sort of weird treatment. Yes, you absolutely could. Totally. Uh yeah, yeah. Batman, of course, is real easy to bend into into other shapes. Super. Well, Red Sun was the one that I thought would be really cool to do a Soviet, you yeah. know, Clark Kent. There's th- those those characters are robust and and they're very um, they're 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 hard to break. And so, you know, the, the, the DC uh, Warner Brothers really has a little bit more latitude than they think they do. Uh, and again, I'm just going to, for any of you Warner Brothers executives who may be listening to, to Jeff's podcast, yes. I'm available for consulting. You <laughs> yeah. know, just call me, uh, BR549. I'm, uh, you can, I'll, I'll pick right it, up it, on it the is, first ring. It is odd how we see movies and you're just thinking, who, who greenlit this? Yeah. Like somebody, like what were you guys thinking? 
I know, I know. And uh, um, I have the advantage of, you know, I've, I've got access to an amazing focus group in, you know, my audience. Every time they come out of the theater, I always have to be downstairs for all the superhero movies on opening weekend because inevitably I get pinned against a wall with people going, okay, now was that like that in the comics? <laughs> because I didn't, I don't remember seeing that. Now, when did that come in? Who, who did that? And so uh, I have to, I have to sort of translate some of those, those elements. Uh, although I do it less and less with the Marvel movies now, because, um, you know, your buy-in to that is basically just go watch the films. They've, they've well, done I think enough. the thing is, is, is the, it, there's been enough of them out there that a lot of the lore has already been disseminated. Yes. And people yeah. got to feel for what things are, what things are about. And maybe, you know, it's, and all these obscure characters now on, you know, are kind of, you know, Baron Zemo's and all that are know, coming right? back and getting, getting a spotlight and everybody's going, what? No sleep till stilt man. <laughs> I want my stilt man. You know, and, and going back, it's, and that's kind of interesting. A lot of those crazy, crazy villains it's just, it's just even with Batman, it goes oh, yeah. to show you, even with Batman. If you were to, well, because well, like I don't have all my comics here. Most of my comics have been my brother in law's house, but uh, been that way for decades. But my son reads some of the old Batman uh, comics from the seventies. I do have here. Love those. You know, it's it's a much different Batman. He actually like solved mysteries, and yeah. he would he would have to sneak into places. He wouldn't yep. just like drive his car into a wall. <laughs> You know, right. <laughs> no missiles, none of that. You know, yeah, he wants no to get on a boat. Mobile to the side of a building. Yeah. yeah, he wanted to break into a safe on a boat. He'd have to. He'd swim in the in the in the sea, and then would sneak up on the boat, and you know, and yeah, we thought it was cool that he had the little bat rebreather. Remember that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that was like that was that was cool enough. You yeah. know, didn't need a submarine. He just needed the thing on his utility belt. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of. Uh, Kind of long for the. It, it, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. It's out. I mean, the, or the, or the, uh, the whatever the the metaphor is. But uh, but what would be interesting is for me is what they do with Moon Knight. Oh God, yes, I'm so excited for that. Like, he may be the he may be the Batman that I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, very possibly. Uh, I uh, I don't have. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, and thankfully they didn't swing as wide with him because of the, I guess, you know, the truncation of, you know, he, he hasn't been around as long, so they haven't had to do as much with him, you know, uh, using Khonshu as his, uh, as an, to be an avatar of Khonshu or whatever. Um, I have, I have very few requirements where that's concerned. I, I, I have confidence that they're going to pull it off. I, at this point, you know, um, uh, so many of my favorite characters as childhood favorite characters from Ant-Man to Black Panther to Hawkeye have made it onto the screen in a way that made me go, that's who that is. Oh, Captain America, of course, just geez, right. Louise. So you tell me, uh, I hope they do Moon Knight. I'm, I'm like, it'd be hard for them to mess it up at this point. I, you'd have to, they'd have to really they'd have to work at it, you know, because they've got so much practice at figuring out how to do that. Is it weird to, you know, for me, I, I, all I really care about is that they got the, the, the moon copter. Yeah. <laughs> the crescent shaped well, copter. God, I love that. Cause thing. I used to love Moon Knight back in the, 
70s. Mm-hmm. And so then I, as I mentioned earlier, that I got Marvel Unlimited. So I watched, or watched, <laughs> I read the, the I think the more later Moon Knight comics. Yeah. With the Khonshu and such. And I'm like, you know, I realize there's not a lot to at least these earlier stories uh, as far as not a lot of dialogue, but there is a whole lot of graphical information and vibe and, yeah. you know, like, I'm getting beat up by these ghosts. What am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. You're do I know. that? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I have to, uh, I have to think that, uh, that a lot of that's going to get streamlined. Were you a fan of the Netflix, uh, Daredevil and, uh, Punisher and. So I did not watch the Punisher, the Dare, so Daredevil I loved, but I think almost every one of those Marvel series needed to be probably maybe about six episodes, not. Yeah, thirteen. It just yeah, was you could have you, you could have told those stories in six to eight. But I was I heard episodes. that they were it was dictated to them that they had to be those yeah. number of episodes. Yeah. So no, Daredevil was by far the best to me of all of them. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> what's it? Uh, Michael Cox is that his name? Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! He's he's Matt Murdock. There is no. There is nobody, nobody that they can they can do to replace him. He just, oh my goodness! I don't think they're going to. Um, with Moon Knight and and She Hulk on deck for next year, there's persistent rumors that Jessica Jones and Daredevil both are going to be porting over. Well, I thought the gal played Jessica Jones would act like she wasn't interested in doing that anymore. Uh, maybe maybe threw some money. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, like she's got anything else going right now? You know? Yeah, I think she wanted to do some directing and stuff. So, but yeah. Well, then she can she can come direct. She's episode. a good actor. I I thought I she. I like her. I I I liked what they were doing with the stories. Um, I think they just they just got too long. But no, I think I think the problem with Jessica. I think she could probably use a little bit more budget. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and of course, she was the most street level, right, of of all of them, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And with her friend. I, they, they, so I think the second I, – I think the deal with what's-his-name, David Tennant, was yeah. great. Yes. But the stuff with her friend at the end of the second season, who ended up – she's going to become the uh, – Hellcat, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Where that hole where she just started, like, getting – I mean, that was such a – good storyline yep. and how they were coming at odds. And I mean, Oh my goodness. I, uh, I was a big fan of all of it. And, and despite the misfire of the first season of iron fist, I thought the second season, it was, uh, yeah, was, I was looking was, forward to the third season. Yeah, me too. Right. I wanted, cause I was expecting, uh, I wanted not only heroes for hire, but I also wanted uh, Nightwing investigations. Uh, well, yeah, they had the because they had his what his uh, his um, adopted adopted that what was the relationship with that with that guy? Uh, they, they went to, they went to like Hong oh, Kong or something. Right, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, his mentor. Yeah, the the no, um, no, he was the mentor. He was not the, the, the no, his uh, um, the it was his adopted uh, the his brother. Yeah. Yeah, and they had the guns, and oh my god, that that to me, those two, I think they finally hit the formula mm-hmm. for that, and I was looking for, and also Connie Chung was it Connie? Not Connie Chung, no, 
Halloween Wing. Uh, Halloween Wing. That's, I'm going back to Opus. <laughs> <laughs> I got Connie Chung on my mind. <laughs> Guest starring Maureen Povich. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So no, I mean, you, uh, you since you've got Marvel Unlimited, uh, you should absolutely check out those Matt Fraction Iron Fists. Okay, uh, they're fantastic. And uh, so, what year is that? That was those came out 2011 or 12. Because that's 13. pretty much how Metal tell things apart. They give the year, so I'll just go yeah. by that. Yeah, those when when when, uh, when they first restarted Iron Fist. Uh, there, there's going to be a big jump, and then it'll be that, and uh, and also fractions. Hawkeye is beautiful. Oh, uh, um, I might have read some of those. Is that the? Uh, it's very minimalistic in the art. Yes, and every and every yeah. episode or every issue starts with him going, "Okay, this looks bad." Like yeah, he's then, falling uh, out of a window. Yeah, because I I read the graphic novels from the library, and those were okay. very good. Yeah, very well, very very good. He does his um, to take it back to our pulp discussion. The Iron Fist stuff that he does, the Immortal Iron Fists and stuff like that, is straight out of uh, the best parts of of the pulp tradition. Okay. So you absolutely are going to dig that, I think. Yeah, cool. they're fantastic. Cool. Yeah. I'll have to, have to check those out. I got a year just to binge, and I've, uh, I've been enjoying it so far. But Good. Uh, cool. Yeah, you know, even going back to you know, even going back to that, it's like you know, we think about like like with Moon Knight fighting ghosts. I mean, you know, how do you do that? Well, he goes and pulls out <laughs> the skull, this giant bird skull, and he gets these bones of these ancient whatever and straps it to him. Why couldn't you do that for your D and D game? Okay, no, you absolutely could. You want yeah. to fight these? That's fine. You got to go to a grave. You got to go dig this stuff up and you know that's the only way you're gonna do it. forget the silver no silver's not gonna work for you here buddy you need to go to this grave and yeah. deal with whatever it is to get to that grave and you know whatever it may be i mean it's it's just you, like then you literally have the bones of the enemies yeah <laughs> it's like it's like i think there's so many opportunities that get lost because we just fall into the same old tropes where you know there's a lot of stuff with comics they're just so rich with that that because we don't see them through that same sort of lens uh, that, you know, we have be at the moon night, adding these, 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 these old bones to his, to his uh, strap to him with linen to, uh, to, to the celestials, you know, the, the, the like 300 foot celestial that stands guard for 50 years and 50 years, the world's going to be judged. There you go. That might be kind of cool. All of a sudden you're like, what is this? You know, this is the god of such and such. In 50 years, the world's going to be judged. That's right. Did we, oh, we miscalculated. It's actually now. Yeah. 50 years, this was on a different planet. Right. And not, not, yeah, this is, this is Mercury years. This is uh, right. Earth years. Yeah. In fact, we're 20 minutes overdue. Nope. There he goes. He, he's on time. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. You, you've got, there's no end to that stuff. And uh, I think the more, uh, well, you know, they always tell you this, uh, you know, when you're writing, you know, one of the one of the bits of sage advice for fiction writers is to read stuff outside of your your right. genre. You know, uh, I think that absolutely applies for gamers as well, you know, especially and especially for DMs who are who are more creating their own content than using 
modules and published adventures. Um, you gotta, you gotta keep that hopper of ideas. Your little, your, your turning a uh, bingo cage right. of balls with numbers on them. You know, uh, you have to, you have to keep that moving and, and periodically you have to put new, new numbered balls in. Right. And, Cause you just follow, you just follow the same route, the same path, the yeah. same old, you know, these are the orcs, and these are this, and this is this, and it's just like the same old, same old. It's like, well, what really, what makes anybody care about your world more than any other world when it's there's really no difference? Yeah. Uh, it's, instead of giving them a scroll to read to open the door, uh, you know, put a put a put a chimpanzee out front, and <laughs> they've got to they've got to convince the chimpanzee to talk because the the chimpanzees memorize the scroll. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, there, you know, there's, and, and and that wasn't even an idea I was using. Uh, I just thought about how can I, how can I put a chimpanzee in there? So it, you just have to. I think if you widen your your gaze, yeah, um, and it, and if you're doing a sword and sword, the nice thing about sword and sorcery is that um, it, as an aesthetic, it 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 plays bigger and weirder anyway. So you've really got. Uh, you've got a lot of room to, and a lot of latitude to develop some just gonzo stuff. Okay. So here's my thought because about sword and sorcery, because I've been, I've doing some thinking on this. Yeah. Okay. It's like, cause it's not like your traditional fantasy, right? It's not. But I also realized if you were to try and take normal fantasy, it doesn't seem like a lot of the tropes, I'm going to say tropes, but a lot of the things that occur, like seeing it, like a Conan story Sometimes there's just political weirdness going on. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. some monster every time. It may just be, okay, you know, the princess is kidnapped or these yeah. raiders have done this. And it doesn't necessarily have to be. So I started thinking, okay, you ready for this? I'm, I'm, I'm braced. <laughs> we'll, lay it on, we'll, lay, <laughs> we'll lay it on you. They talk about using D&D modules, converting them into science fiction. Um, I can kind of use that for science fiction. Okay. I started thinking is no, 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 no. Take science fiction stories yeah. and turn them into to sword and sorcery adventures. Yes. So did you ever play uh Star Frontiers? Yeah, I loved it. Okay, remember the uh, remember the Volturnus? Yes. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> you could you could do the same thing, but instead of the octopus people, it's a desert tribe. Instead of the finding the loper in the beginning, it's a it's a young calf or no, mm-hmm. a young horse, a colt. Do you kill it to eat it or do you not kill it to eat it? You're already you hurt people's stats. Then you have to go through this trip instead of fighting the, the quick death, you fight something else, you get part mm-hmm. of the tribe. You have to go to another tribe in order to you know, and, and it all starts by pirates, right? Because you're, yeah. you're being attacked by pirates. You can That's have right. a pirate. You're, you're overcoming the pirates, slavers on your ship. You overcome them. The ship crashes. You're on the planet. You can lay that whole thing out on a mm-hmm. desert and treat it just like you would a uh, sword and sorcery adventure. Oh, you absolutely can. Uh, you know, there's that wonderful axiom that people love to throw around about uh, sufficiently advanced technology being indistinguishable from yeah. magic. Uh, but uh, you wouldn't even necessarily even have to do no, that. But you don't even, just, no, you don't have to do that. You literally just reskin a lot of the the things. Yeah, 
And, um, and I, but I think the thing is it has travel, it has exploration, <laughs> it has a lot more social yes. interactions, science fiction adventures terminally do, and it also has um, a lot of times it's dealing with like some sort of mercantilism, like, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, you're traveling on a ship for trade, well, you be a, on a caravan. I mean, there's, yeah. you could, and then a lot of times it's planet to planet to planet, that's a point crawl. You could do a very similar thing, you know, where right. you're in different go ports of call. Yeah. Different ports of call, different yeah. cities on the river. Yeah. So like, why, why are we not just going back to traveler and just like mm-hmm. reskinning all those? I think that, I think that's uh, I think there's something for that, man. Uh, I, uh, I, I think, I think the reason why people don't put a lot of things like uh, commerce and politics into their D and D games is because they don't really know anything about it, and I have long looked for and tried various ways to simulate a political intrigue succinctly. Right. You know, basically take that take that that political um, the the the. the the nuts and bolts of it and game it so that a a GM can look at this and go, okay, I can run this. I've got the elements. I know how to implement them. You know, I haven't quite gotten there yet. Uh, Well, the problem is too, is is character buy-in. So that's the other aspect. Well, and and I think at least where fifth edition is concerned, backgrounds I think are really helpful in that oh, regard. Oh, you're, you're talking about like with fifth edition, like specifically or D and D specifically. Yeah. I think they've got pieces for it with the forgotten realms, even though I'm not a big forgotten realms person, mm-hmm. but they never really, but it doesn't seem like a fifth edition. They ever actually like flesh things out in a way that actually like you could use as, was it Zentarum and the right flaming silver fists, or I don't know what all those yeah. things are. The, the factions. Yeah. They, uh, I, they, I, I think initially in, in 2014, when they put fifth edition out, I think they were relying on a big part of their audience having that material anyways. Right. Yeah. They were because even they did put them in the, was it the, um, can't remember which one. I don't think it was in the. Was it in the uh, the beginners module? The um, oh, I think maybe the Harpers were in there. But then, um, then I think I got this other one. Maybe it was the Princes of the Apocalypse, and they yes. they would have the different factions kind of talk about. But there was nothing for me to know what to do with it. They never That's right. provide any guidance. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting close to it. Uh, I haven't, I haven't quite gotten there yet, but as soon as I do, I'm probably going to do a zine of it and, and put it out. Oh yeah. Cause I, I think it's, uh, I, I think that's some of the stuff that's missing from sword and sorcery. You're right. Conan, Conan stories have a, have a weird component in them. And the, uh, most of the Conan stories that people read and love and really the best ones are compression. They take place in a limited framework. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it's the events of a single evening, right? Um, and it's, the, you know, and, and you could see Conan in a bar going, let me tell you about this one time. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then there you go. Um, but when Howard takes a break from the series and, and comes back in, um, that's when some of that stuff starts to show up 
in the in the pros. I'm thinking specifically of Rogues in the House being a really good one. Uh, we don't start with Conan. We start with the the Red Priest and uh, Nabonidus uh, at odds with one another and deciding that, you know, in this, that there's going to be a series of intrigues in which they're going to try to get the upper hand. And, uh, and, and so Conan is basically inveigled to be an assassin uh, in the midst of this, um, this, this political uh, intrigue. And so, uh, and, and of course, in Howard's case, that that the double uh, duty is world building. You know, we we see the corruption and the, you know, how the how the sausage is made. You know, behind the throne, uh, but but there's a absolutely uh, a lot of those motivations at least start the story, and then Conan decides, you know, you know, I'm going to keep my own counsel. I'm, I, I, you know, I don't think I'm going to do that after all. I've, I've decided you suck, and I'm going to kill you instead, <laughs> or, or you know, whatever the thing is. You know, oh, oh, the pics are involved. Well, now I'm in. Now I'm in it because I hate the pics, or whatever. Right. You know, the the thinking is, and uh, that's something that I think maybe the modern fifth edition games. Uh, maybe I don't, don't want to say shy away from because I think a lot of people that are playing fifth edition are are homebrewing whatever they want to do. I think people are trying to avoid the the notion of conflict between people because because you don't know how to navigate it without a misstep and and I'm sympathetic to that. But on the other hand, I, to me, the like the best stuff is the, is that kind of conflict. You know, whether we're talking right. about rival pirates and Pirates of the Caribbean or Empire versus the Rebels in Star Wars, you know, there's nothing wrong with having people fighting people. And, it, right. and it's okay or, to be black hats and white Right, hats. or even if you just say, you know what, there's these people, you're going to have to deal with one side or the other, you're going to have to make some decisions. But right. those, those are going to have implications, both good and bad. And that, yeah, and that's, and I'm a big believer in that for years, uh, for, well, really as long as I've ever played DNA, I love the idea con of consequences, you know, put, put something on the board that's big enough to have a rippling Im impact and, and, you know, and, and not really knowing which way it's going to go because players will always, you know, if you give players four options, they'll find a sixth one, you yeah. know, <laughs> they'll skip the fifth one and go right to that sixth one, which involves the roller skates and a, and a water Buffalo. And you're like, how, how, where'd the roller skates come from? This is D and D we, we, we made them. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, if you have that, you know, and then once they, once that solution presents itself, then the next campaign you walk it down the road 10 years. What, you know, when this thing happened and they, and this character was killed and these people went free, what happened next? And, and as yeah. a, as a, as a dungeon master, as a game master, that's a, that's very cool. Cause that's the part that I like. I get to, I get to decide, Oh, okay. Then they did this and they did this. Well, but maybe it's even just more short term. Like, okay, maybe you do this and then maybe because you've, you've offended this group, <laughs> There's some other complications, like right. like all of a sudden the police are against you, or maybe it's that's right. The merchants are against you, or maybe it's, it's you know, yeah. That's what line. that's what that's what polite society is going to kind of deal with. Uh, th there's a mechanic in polite society for the more jobs you do and the more people you piss off, you know, the pressure gets upped because you know 
you know, there you might steal something from a, a nobleman that that is just embarrassing for him to have lost. But then there might be a, a priest that's got a precious item that's not even really that expensive or or worth you know worth money. But to him, it was everything. And so, you know, now you've unleashed, you know, uh, a horde of religious paladins who are scouring the city looking for your crew. Uh, and uh, and so, yeah, those short-term consequences of the actions are, are great. And that creates the intrigues. Uh, because if one group suddenly, if, 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 if the city guard is suddenly doubled up, uh, and and on the lookout for people, there's a lot of things that can't get done because the black market can't operate. And so right. now there's, you know, and, and those aren't hard to navigate. You just have to be willing to kind of think about it and apply it in game. Um, but I think, I think, I think guidelines are helpful, particularly for GMs who may not have a, a notion of what that looks like. So. Well, and I think the thing is, it's like, you know, it, it doesn't have to be always big stakes, but I think when I buy, if I'm buying a module, I don't want to have to be forced to put a lot of effort into it. Right. Unfortunately, it seems like every module I would ever buy, especially from Watsi, I have to put way too much work in it. Way, 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 way too much work in it. Like, I'll, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, it, I can't believe that uh, those books cost that much money and then don't really have a, there's not really advice. And maybe, maybe it's because they don't want to, you know, tell people how to, how to run the module, but God, some guidelines or something. Well, it's just an organization, an outline, a flow chart, right. you know, come on, just give me a bone here. <laughs> color code certain ones that aren't important side quests and color code other ones that are important side quests. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I just, just simple organization, but yeah. But anyway, yeah, I think I think there's ways of adding politics in a way that, that doesn't have to be involving a huge amount. But I think the idea is that, you know, I think like in life, you know, a lot of times you have to make decisions and you maybe have to pick sides and those right. those help you and they also cause consequences. There's, there's yeah. a lot of things in life that are that way and I think it adds for especially – you know, with characters probably living there kind of on the edge and, uh, and it makes even more sense for the, for that to, to occur, especially with you know, probably dealing with a lot of the underworld types as well. And I, I can tell you that the, uh, that younger players are okay with that. That's not a controversial thing. You know, a lot of the best video games have those sorts of branching decision trees now. Yeah. As a as a as a baked in feature, and so they're used to knowing that you know if if I make a choice, we're going to go this way, and it's going to do this, and I might not know what happens if I didn't do it, but but it's okay because it, we'll, yeah, we'll I think playing. people are. I think it's just for probably for modules. I'm not sure why why it's not maybe because it adds another layer of complexity, or I don't I don't know. But anyway, well. I think we're hitting the uh, edge of the time-space continuum, Mark. <laughs> Man, this was a great conversation. Yeah. I, I, I hope I hope uh, when everybody listens to it, they get something out of it. Uh, There's something for some everybody. <laughs> fingers crossed, man. <laughs> fingers Maybe a crossed. negative something's of, of interest. <laughs> there you go. Yes, I know now what I don't want to do. <laughs> None of that. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is uh, RPG rambling, so it's 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 on the ten. So oh, good, 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 good. Yeah, so there's no. Uh, <laughs> this is like. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So anyway, uh, thanks for joining me, Mark. I do appreciate it, but uh, we must call good things to an end, and at least until the next time. My pleasure. This was this was a lot of fun. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Oh, take care.